0: Our topic this week from the book of Genesis, chapter 19, Lot and incest. Now we spent a long time here in chapter 19. There's been a lot in uh, or in Genesis 19, or coming out of Genesis 19, and so this week would, I believe, will be the final uh, message out of Genesis 19, a Lot, and the final. We've seen Lot several times before, and so now today we're going to do a quick overview of his life and then to the last historical event in his life, Lot and incest. So, starting in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, Terah took Abram his son, and Lot his grandson, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran Haran, uh, and dwelt there. And then chapter 12, verse 5, Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people with whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. And so uh, we see already Lot uh, being with Abraham, sticking close with Abraham, being willing to leave Ur um, and go to Haran and then uh, leave there and continue on the journey to Canaan. And in chapter 13, verse 1, Abraham went up from Egypt after having gone down to Egypt, right? and then he came up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him. Lot also went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So again, sticking closely with Abraham, when Abraham goes to Egypt and then comes out of Egypt, Lot is there with him by his side. And in verse 7, still, Genesis 13, there was strife between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's. Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord. Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. They separated from each other. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So even though he has been uh, somewhat dependent on Abraham, Abraham after uh, Lot's uh, father, Abraham's brother, died, um, Abraham kind of raises him and takes care of him, and and Lot is always there following Abraham. And then when he gets some riches, there's some conflict between the herdsmen of not enough land, and I would imagine it could have been worked out uh, in some way, shape, or form without having to totally separate as they end up doing to the extent that they do. Uh, But that is what happens. And uh, Lot, instead of yielding to Abraham and saying, well, you choose the the better fertile ground, fertile area, and I'll stay out of your way, uh, no, he chooses for himself what he thinks is best. And the more fertile area down by uh, the... um, Valley of Sodom, which is now the Dead Sea, and he goes down there and it says he dwells in the cities of the plain, and so we find out later on in the story there were other cities, in addition to Sodom and Gomorrah, smaller cities, and so he's dwelling, dwelt in the cities of the plain, so he's down in that area, But was still in his tent, and it says he pitches his tent even as far as Sodom. So it seems like he got closer and closer to Sodom, goes down towards those cities, and then has his tent, probably still with the herds, and gets closer and closer, and even pitches his tent near as far as uh, even Sodom. Then chapter 14, verse 1, the kings of the nations made war with Sodom, and they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, And when Abraham heard that Lot was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. Abraham brought back Lot and his goods. And so uh, Lot then eventually moves into Sodom. uh, And so he must have sold his herds because when uh, he's taken captive um, by these kings and these nations and, and taken all the way up, to Dan which is quite a distance from the Dead Sea and for those who've been on our tours or will go on our Next tour, you'll see how far it is to experience that and, and we'll even go to Dan the the ancient city of Dan That lot was taken to that Abraham uh, Went and delivered him out of the the gate of that city is still there today. We're talking over 3,000 years You get to see a, uh, a Gateway that's close to 3,000 maybe 500 or so years uh, old and still uh, in existence absolutely amazing and so Lot, Abraham, risks his life, goes there and delivers Lot, helping him out, and saving him and delivering him, and brings him and his goods back. And so he must have traded in the sheep and the herds, and now had goods, and uh, whatever he was doing in the city, took some trade or whatever he was doing uh, to continue his wealth. Um, he uh, owes again his his existence to to his uncle abraham and um, and he goes back to Sodom. He no doubt gets to hear um uh, melchizedek the king of peace the king of righteousness um the king of salam blessing abraham and abraham returning a tithe to him and instead of joining abraham he goes back to sodom now in everything we've read thus far there's been no mention of a wife. He was with Abraham, he left her, he went there, he went there, and it's always just Lot, never mentions Lot and his wife or anything. Uh, Comes out of Egypt with his possessions and separates, uh, and so up to this point, we don't have any mention of a wife, but we do know that uh, later on we'll find out he does eventually get a wife. And we'll read about her in a bit and we jump to chapter 19 verse 1 the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom and when Lot saw them he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground he said here now my lords please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet and then you may rise early and go on your way. And so he's there at the gate for whatever reason. Uh, usually the seat at the gate, there was an honorable a position, uh, a position of responsibility. Again, as we go to Israel, we see at the entrance of, of some of the gates of some cities, uh, a seat still there where, where a person would sit. We read in the Bible of various accounts of, uh, of the person there at the gate where trade would take place, uh, legal documents would be signed. And various different things and, and so he's there at the gate maybe in one of these type of positions he sees these men that they're angels he doesn't know they're angels and he rises up from the seat and he goes uh, and greets them bows himself to them invites them to come and spend the night uh, they resist uh, and say no we'll just spend the night here he insists and uh, tells them he'll wash they'll be able to come into his house and wash their feet and rest a bit Verse 3, he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house, and then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So, he just told them, you can come sleep tonight and wash your feet, and he even went even above that, right? Makes a feast for them. Bakes some unleavened bread, but bakes some matzo for them. I don't know, maybe made some matzo ball soup, I don't know, right? But he, uh, he, he uh, gives them a feast, they eat together, and uh, he's showing... Showering hospitality upon them. Verse 4 And before they lay down, the men of Sodom surrounded the house, and they called, Bring the men out to us, that we may know them carnally. And this is where we get the term today, sodomy, from the city of Sodom. Verse 6 So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And so when they delayed in coming, he insisted, No, come, because he knew. He knew what the city was like. He knew what would happen to them if they stayed out in the street. He compelled them in. And here he risks his life. He goes out of the house, shuts the door behind him, protect his family and these two men and goes out to try and reason with these, with these men and says, don't do this wickedness. Calls it out for what it is. Tells them, pleads with them, do not do it. Now he comes up with a plan that I wouldn't agree with, horrible plan, uh, but he is trying to protect these strangers. He still doesn't know that they're angels trying to protect these two men. Maybe he thought there's no way they would go for that his crazy plan, but it would be at least enough to wake them up to, to the ridiculousness of their request and what they're wanting, wanting to do and show how evil it is. But verse nine, they said he keeps acting as a judge. And so he's saw he calls it wickedness. He, he condemns them. He calls it out and it, uh, it keeps on. So this is not, no doubt the, f- this is not the first time that he has, referred to their actions as wrong and they feel convicted by it and they don't like it and so they they refer to him as acting as a judge against them and then they sorry uh so then they continue to press upon him the angels blind the man and they can't find the door and they leave and the angels tell him that they're going to destroy the city Um, no doubt at that point, revealing that they were angels. And Lot then goes out and spoke to his son in laws -laws, sons-in-laws, (laughs) sons-in-law, who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. So he believes it. He goes and tells others, tells his sons-in-laws, sons-in-law. And so he, No doubt has at least four daughters, maybe five or more. He warns them and they they laugh at him. They refuse. Verse 15, still Genesis 19. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And so even though he believed enough and was brave enough to go out again into the city, even though those men wanted to um, kill him or whatever or um, punish him and try and get the man, he, he goes out of his house in seeking his um, sons-in-law to warn them bravely but then when it comes his time to leave he lingers he believed it in principle believed it in his mind he believed the prophetic biblical truth he even told others about it but when it comes time to him for him to act on it he lingers right sometimes that is how it is with us right we believe, we believe, we believe we can even teach others. But then when the testing time comes to us to actually obey it and, and act it out and do it, um, it's a whole other story. And so he lingers, and it takes the mercy of the Lord to drag him and his family out of the house. In verse 17, and when they had brought them outside, he, the angel I would imagine, said escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed how does he respond to that the commission again after being protected and delivered and fortunate chosen to be helped out in a special manifestation angels being sent to him lot responds and said to them please no my lords i cannot escape to the mountains." Least some evil overtake me and I die. This city is near enough to flee to. It is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? So instead of going to the mountains as they're telling him and as they're commanding him, he tries to compromise and doesn't want to go all the way with the Lord and just want, well, let me stay in this little city. It's not as bad as this big city of Sodom. And can I go there? And wants to. Stay halfway with the Lord and halfway at his own plans, his own devisings. The Lord, very merciful to him, lets him do this, spares the city, at least for a time, because of him. And then verse 20, but Lot's wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And then that's what we've covered thus far and now picking up here This new portion of the story, the last historical count of Lot. Genesis 19, verse 30. Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. So he requested that, that he was allowed to go there, and then something caused him to even be fearful of staying there whether maybe after seeing Sodom and Gomorrah totally destroyed, he felt, oh, no, God's now going to destroy this city. I better get out of this city, too. Or maybe he saw that the people in that city were no better than the people in Sodom and, and uh, they didn't even know him from nothing and he didn't have a, a, a wife from the town that, uh, that they might uh, be merciful to him a little bit. And uh, maybe they, uh, they've threatened him. And so he's fearful. And out of fear, not out of obedience to the Lord, out of fear, he leaves Zor and goes to the mountains. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. How sad, huh? Goes from being prosperous, having his uncle with him and family, and be, or being with them, and and. Uh, surrounded with herdsmen and herds and to riches that he had, possessions that he had, home that he had, to living in a cave with his two daughters. Sad situation. And it gets worse. Verse 31 The firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and he will lie with him, we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Wickedness. Where would they get such an idea? Sodom, in the public school systems of Sodom. Horrible, horrible thoughts. Wickedness, and wickedness abounds. And that's on the rise in today's society as well. Been done for a long time, but the acceptance of it is gaining traction once again, And they've, feel that they've gained the upper hand in the, in the conversation regarding uh, other perverse sex and the whole idea that you can be whatever you wanna be today and be whatever you wanna be tomorrow or something different and change what you are and cut body parts off and try and uh, rebel against God's creation. There are voices today floating the idea that there is no age where it is appropriate, horrible, wicked world that we're living in, as the Bible predicted, as in the days of Sodom, as in the days of Lot, so also it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Amazing prediction. Verse 33, And so they made their father drink wine that night, And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose." Now, obviously, not too drunk to do anything, not passed out drunk, but just enough to not remember what was done. Why would he allow alcohol to be there? How much could they possibly have in a cave? Of all things, that's what they chose to take with them. This is the second time we see alcohol mentioned in the Bible. First time with Noah. Didn't work out too good there either. And now here, and it's not working out so good either. Absolutely amazes me that there are people who profess to follow God and love God and read the Bible and, and, and think there's anything good that can come out of this fermented, corrupting, decaying substance of God's original fruit of the vine. I see that nothing good comes out of it. Dead brain cells, we end up doing things we wouldn't have done otherwise. That's why they have to get him drunk, because they know he wouldn't go for the plant otherwise. We end up doing stupid things. Verse 34, the next day the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. And you go in and lie with him, that he may preserve the lineage of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. The younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The Bible is an amazing book. It doesn't hide anything. Lets us see everything that God wants us to know, even the most horrendous things about characters. I mean, you know, if Abraham had any say <laughs> in the editing of this text, I'm sure he would say, "Oh, don't say that about my nephew. Don't let the yeah happened, But don't put it in print. Don't let people three thousand five hundred years from now read about that." But the Bible doesn't pull any punches. The Bible is real. That's why we can trust it. The Bible's examples here are not for us to follow, but for our admonition to know at times what not to do, as well as good examples of what to do. And of the calamities that come to pass if we don't follow God's ways. Verse 36, thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger she also bore a son and called his name ben Ammi, and he is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. Now I don't understand what God does. I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand of his workings. I don't profess to be able to figure him out. And this is one of those examples. When we see times where God shuts people's wombs, when he caused Pharaoh not to be able to go into Sarah, in the next chapter, chapter 20, we see God stops um, I forget his name, Bimelech, from, uh from being able to have relations with Sarah. Certainly, God could have stopped this pregnancy from taking place, these pregnancies from taking place. I know very nice people, very good people, godly people, married couples who love the Lord, who love each other, who demonstrate a love for children, and who try for years to have children, praying and asking the Lord, and for whatever reason, at times they don't have children. And then hear this one night, two nights, one two nights in a row, and both of them are hits. What's the chances? What's the statistical chances of that? God could have stopped that, couldn't he? And both these nations that come out, Moab and Ammon, they are enemies of God's people, cause tremendous heartache and difficulties. Why do you allow them to be created? Why do you allow it to conceive? Why do you allow them to be born? Why do you allow them to survive? Why do you allow them to grow to such prominence? Those are some of the questions I'm going to ask God. <laughs> I, see him. I don't know uh, yeah. how far we'll make on our journey up to heaven before I ask that question. <laughs> There's some wise, But I do trust and I do know and I know without a doubt that God knows what's best. And that he does have a reason. And maybe the Moabites, so that Ruth would come along. And David ended up coming from Ruth. And the Messiah ended up coming from Ruth. But a whole nation created for that. Couldn't he do something else? <laughs> and what about this other nation? We know of nothing that came out of Ammon. Other than troubles, how many thousands of people of Moab and Adam died without the Lord? And God allowed them to be created, allowed this to take place. Why sometimes he miraculously steps in, which is rare. But even reading the Bible, it's rare that God steps in and does something like he did for Sarah. Very rare. Heaven works through human instrumentalities in miraculous ways, but very rarely where He just steps in and takes control. How people like to comfort you with, Don't worry, God's in control. I don't buy that. <laughs> God's not always in control of everything. God allows sometimes wickedness to reign, He allows things to happen because of choices that we make. And He allows us to make those choices, and He allows the results of those choices and the choices of other people. He allows them to make choices and for us to bear the results of their choices. Very, very often we see that. We see that biblically. Such as here. And in our own lives, we've experienced that and seen that. So why? He steps in sometimes. Other times does not. I'm sure he has a reason every single time when we're in heaven, we can ask him. And when we're in heaven, it won't matter. <laughs> when we're in heaven, he'll show us how would that helped get us there in some way, shape, or form. But there are some things difficult to understand, such as this. God allows the sinful heart of man and the sinful actions. So that's the heritage and the ending of the story of Lot that we have biblically and historically and his protege as a result. So as we look over Lot's life, what do you think? In the judgment, what will God do with Lot? Let's review it again quickly. He was faithful. He heard the command. He heard the call. He was willing to he did, he left Ur, and there was friends he had there, people he knew there, and he left, and he went with uh, Abraham and Terah to land he didn't know, and then he went from Haran to Canaan, and he went with Abraham into Egypt and out of Egypt, so the white are kind of what we might be positive things, then the yellow, well, he also left Abraham. He allowed his herdsmen to get in a fight and battle with him. with uh, was Abraham's herdsmen. He chose the best land for himself. He moved into the wicked cities. He, had, he married an unbelieving wife. I have no doubt she was from Sodom. And we see through her life that uh, again turning back and how the daughters were raised, the other daughters as unbelieving husbands, and then the wickedness of these two daughters. But he also was sat at the gate, also had a position, also had some respect in the city to be there, or he just went there on his own to help people such as these strangers coming by. He rose up went to go greet them, didn't wait for them to come to him. He greets them humbly, bowing before them. Even as they resist, he strongly urges them to come into his home, provides hospitality for them, lets them wash their feet, provides them a feast, makes them a meal. He offers them protection, risks his life going out to defend them, risks his daughters, to defend them. And then when he's convinced in his mind they're gonna destroy the city, he goes and tells others. He goes and tells his son-in-laws, or sons-in-law. But then when you see he gets drunk, allowed alcohol to be in the cave. He drank it, they didn't knock him out and pour it down his throat. He chose to get drunk. And while it says that whoever recorded this, whoever told the story, whoever that somehow the story gets told that we have it, Moses knew about it, wrote it down. And even though he did not know when she lay down and when she rose up, I'd be very surprised if he didn't know anything. Doesn't say he didn't know that she laid down or that she rose up just he didn't know when she lay down and when she rose up. And he didn't do anything to stop it the next night. Got drunk again, willing to drink the alcohol. Again, they didn't force it down his throat. So what do you think? Will we see Lot in heaven? What do you think? Yes. You think so? Stands, not this with that. True. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? First. Okay. Yes. Does that mean everyone's going to be in heaven? No. Okay. So, what do you think? Was that going to be there or not? Big friend. Well, someone read further into the Bible. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2, verse 6, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who live ungodly, and delivering righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul each day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust for the day of judgment. So there will be a day of judgment. The wicked will be destroyed. And yet Lot was considered a righteous man. Three times calls him righteous. Well, certainly his actions were not all righteous. God is very merciful and was very merciful to Lot. And I have no doubt that if it wasn't for the prayers and intercession of his uncle Abraham, no doubt for years and years and years, and at that last moment when he's told that the city's going to be destroyed, that Lot would not have made it out. But God, in his great mercy, sends two angels there and drags him out of the city. So what was it that was righteous about Lot? Well, we saw some righteous actions. We saw that the Holy Spirit was moving in some way, shapes, or form, even in this last account, not the very last account, but uh, when the angels come to Sodom, that he goes out and meets them, greets them, and... Encourages them to come in and provides hospitality to them. Tries to protect them. How is the Holy Spirit working through him? He wasn't totally devoid of God. Wasn't totally devoid of God's Spirit. But it's not in our own righteousness. It's not in anything we have or do in and of ourselves. It is only the righteousness of Messiah that any of us, are accounted any righteousness. There are none good, no not one. And it is only through the sacrifice of Messiah in our behalf that any of us can be considered righteous because it's not us. It is God. It is him. Now we have to yield to it. And Lot made many mistakes, and those many mistakes put him in deeper and deeper trouble. And while he seems to make it into heaven at the skin of his teeth, he is not an example for us to follow. And just because he makes it in does not mean that anyone else trying to follow his example would make it in. His wife doesn't, won't be there. His daughters won't be there. His grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren, the vast majority of the mother that may be Ruth won't be there. And so it's not the type of path that we want to follow ourselves. How much more and how much better it could have been if he would have worked out the situation and had his herdsmen worked out the situation with Abraham or not chosen Sodom, but chosen some other area. The land of Canaan was certainly big enough for the two of them without having to go down towards Sodom without having married a Sodom, a, a woman from Sodom, without having tied himself up there and selling his herds and moving in there and having a wife there and then getting stuck there and staying there and allowing his daughters to be corrupted there, how much better his life could have been, how much better example he could have been how much better the ongoing history after him could have been. But no, his choices, well, he might have been spared himself. From what we read here, he was spared. Now, how much of the Bible did he have available to him? Well, we read it, his account starts in genesis chapter 11 (laughs) so he had the stories from genesis 1 to chapter 10. (laughs) so 10 chapters of the bible verbally uh he, he he knew that's it 10 chapters how many chapters do you have available to you how many chapters do i have available to me and so in the judgment yes he'll be judged based on what he had opportunity to know which was not much he had abraham but abraham also made some mistakes I didn't have much knowledge available to him of God. And he made some wrong choices and it got him deeper and deeper and deeper. But that his soul was vexed, that he was tormented when seeing the wickedness around him shows where his heart was. That his heart was with God even when his actions weren't. Even when he tied himself down so much with an ungodly wife. And I've told you before here, right? How to make sure you don't marry an ungodly spouse? Remember, how, what's one way to almost guarantee that you don't marry an ungodly spouse? want I remember? Don't date. don't date an ungodly person, right? If you don't date them, it's very hard to marry them, right? <laughs> very hard to, to marry someone. That's possible. I guess can get you drunk and you know do something in Las Vegas or whatever. But it's very hard uh, to marry someone you don't date. So. Don't date that an ungodly person. chances are you won't marry an ungodly person. But he made these mistakes and it tied him down worse and worse and worse, tormenting his soul. Don't choose to put yourself in these type of positions. Don't leave the Lord's presence in the presence of godly people, to go to the world, to go to the, the pleasures the so-called pleasures of the world, the riches of the world. The shiny, tinkery, tinkery uh, whatever. <laughs> Nothing shiny. That's right. Yeah, the attractions that drew him into the city. The promises of wealth. Promises of Eve. He's. Don't be drawn into the things of this world. To the Babylon of this world. We need to separate our hearts and minds from the things of this world. Come out of... Babylon, come out of the confusion, come out of the worldliness. They try and pump it into our minds all the time. Even the, you go bump gas. They got TV, little TV sets. No matter where you are, they're all playing the same thing. You notice that? They talk about a monopoly. doesn't matter what station, doesn't matter what uh, gas station, what what company, they all got the same channel. That's a monopoly. Somebody's controlling everything there. They're all telling you the same stuff. And you have to listen to it over and over and over again. Propaganda, pumping it into our minds and heart, but is, by God's grace, we need to separate ourselves from these things and not be drawn in and not go further in than, than, than we don't have to voluntarily do it. we was so thankful when we didn't have to go into the gas stations, we got to pump outside and, and just pay for it and not have to see their garbage inside. Now they've brought the garbage outside. But we don't have to voluntarily put ourselves in position as Lot did time and time again. Not even wanting to go to the little city. Still have to stay in a little bit. Come out of it. Come out of the world. There's nothing good there for us. Be a witness. Abraham wasn't part of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Was he able to witness to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, he went down delivered them. (laughs) Gave a sacrifice in front of them all. Gave everything to uh, get back to them. Gave an offering, tithe and offerings to Melchizedek. I got to see the blessing from Melchizedek upon Abraham. Yes, he was able to be a witness without being part of the world, right? Much better than Lot was able to be. I didn't believe Lot because he gave a mixed message to the world. So the only thing we can learn from Lot is how not to be, is what route not to follow, what path not to follow, what not to do. Now thankfully again, because of the great mercy of the Lord upon him, so he learned about the sacrifices with Abraham, he knew about that, no doubt he was as his soul was tormented in seeing the unrighteous actions, he no doubt had confessed his sins and accepted the sacrifice of the Messiah to come in his behalf. And God covered him with his righteousness in spite of himself. God in his mercy took him where he was at. We will not be condemned for believing a lie. In the judgment, what will condemn us is when we have refused to believe the truth. Refused to walk in the truth. Refused to walk in God's way. And so for the light he had, Yeshua even said, even the other people of Sodom, it'll be more tolerable for them than it will be for Capernaum, and thus much to- more tolerable for them than it will be for us, based on the amount of opportunity and light that they had. And so Lot falls into that category too. Just because he gets in, and it's called righteous in comparative to his generation, and it's not so much a comparison scale, but righteous because of God's righteousness, Messiah's righteousness over him. Don't think that we can get away with the same thing and make it to heaven in the same way. path of the wicked is a not a pleasant path for us to follow it's so better for us to follow by god's grace examples like abraham and even abraham made mistakes and even better to follow the example of the messiah himself who came to us as a child of abraham and as a child of even lot with the propensities of the Moabites, with the propensities of Abraham, but by dependence on the heavenly father, while dwelling here in the flesh, having left the throne in heaven and divested himself and took on human flesh for our sake, overcame in the flesh, overcame the evil propensities that he inherited from the Moabites, from the Israelites, from Adam and Eve down through the ages, overcame by his power, by his grace, through confession of our sins, through confession and yielding of our carnal nature and giving it over to the Lord, we also can be delivered and set free and washed clean and taken out of the cities and brought up to the mountain of God. We can be delivered here and now out of temptation. Right? As it says here, He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He can deliver us. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. He's able to save us from temptation, save us from sin, save us from sinning, save us from yielding to the temptations. God is able. And as we trust in Him and trust in His power, not only will we be declared righteous as Lot was. We will be made righteous so that the righteousness will be lived out as well. And so in a moment when we pray, if there's some area in your life that from Abraham's life or Lot's life that's speaking to your heart and mind, then in a moment when we pray, you can surrender it to the Lord, maybe your life has been up and down, and mistakes, and some right choices, some wrong choices, some wrong choices that have caused you to be placed in positions of difficulty. And you would like to ask God to forgive you and cleanse you and wash that off your record. And in a moment when we pray, you can do that. Accept the Messiah's forgiveness and accept the Holy Spirit's power. And ask God to undo the wrong and undo the evils and redeem the time. Maybe you've yoked up with unbelievers, whether through marriage or whether through partnerships or whether through living situation. And a moment when we pray, surrender that to the Lord. And ask God to give you the ability to live righteously in spite of it. Third, if you're in a situation where you feel hemmed in and you're finding yourself yielding to the temptations, you're finding yourself enjoying the things of this world, molding to this world, becoming more and more like the world, Now you're Becoming desensitized to the wickedness. Where it's no longer tormenting your soul as you see the wickedness around you. In a moment when we pray, confess that and surrender that to the Lord. And ask him to give you his mind and to see things as they are in relation to the Messiah's righteousness, in relation to heavenly things to see this world for what it is, to thing, see the things of this world for what they are, and for God to give you a hatred and a disgust for the things of this world. Fourth, if you're hearing God call, God's call to come out of Babylon, to come out of the spiritual cities or maybe physical cities, if you're in a situation, a job situation or a housing situation where You're being tormented. Maybe you have a neighbor playing the music so loud and TV so loud that it's coming right through your wall and you don't want to put up with it anymore. Maybe God's calling you out of that situation or a job situation where they're just cursing around you all the time or something that God's calling you out of or maybe the spiritually, maybe the city in your heart, the city in your mind, like Lot's wife, still desiring it, still there, even when you're outside of it. And the moment we pray, ask God to send angels if necessary to grab a hold of you and drag you out. And to take you out spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically if necessary. Maybe out of the school systems. Pray that God opens a way, thankfully, here in this country. We're able to have parochial schools. We're able to have private schools. We're able to have homeschooling. We're very fortunate. Still today, have these options. We should make use of them. Maybe God's revealing to you someone to pray for, as Abraham prayed for Lot. And when we pray, you can be praying for them and praying for the cities of this world, praying for the people around you, praying for the people the leaders of this world, the leaders of this country, the leaders of this city, the leaders of this county, whatever, and be praying for them and interceding on in their behalf. Maybe you've gotten involved, maybe currently or maybe in the past, in sexual sins of various different types, maybe incest, God forbid, or pornography, or God forbid also, or any shape or form. Maybe just lust in the mind. Surrender it to the Lord. Accept the Messiah's forgiveness and cleansing and deliverance from it. That he can make you pure in mind and in heart and in life and in deed. Maybe you want to ask for a character of hospitality. Some of the good traits we saw in Lot. Willing to take positions of responsibility. Willing to befriend those that you don't know so that you can share in some way, shape, or form God's love for them. Share a meal with them. Maybe stand up for those who are being persecuted. Maybe stand up for the right, even at the risk of your life. In a moment when we pray, you can ask for boldness and courage and strength to do the right thing. Maybe there's been times in your life where you've believed the truth. You've even taught the truth. But when you were tested in the truth, you hesitated. You lingered. Confess that. Be forgiven for the past. And let us ask God to, like as Paul said, that we don't run the race in vain. And not only do we teach it, but by God's grace, when our testing time comes for whatever test it is, and the various tests we'll have that we don't hinder, that we don't linger, that we don't stall, but that we move forward acting on the faith that we have believed in God's Word. To teach the Sabbath and then be tested at work on the Sabbath or whatever, are we willing to take the stand by God's power? When our test comes, again, whatever test, we can teach about forgiveness. And then when someone hurts us, are we able to manifest forgiveness? Let us pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to live out his life in us and through us. Now, today, and every day, and moving forward as well. So if any of those areas apply to you, or I guess we could answer that, if, if when I said, uh, where do you think Lot would be if Areas of ju- if you sat on the throne <laughs> and decided where he was going, <laughs> yeah. none of us know, right? Unless the Bible specifically tells us. not for us to judge. We can see people living like Lot. We don't know. We don't know. God knows. God convicts us all differently at different times. Is it because God had convicted you of A, B, C, D, E in that order and gave you victory in that order. He may give someone else the different convictions and the same things, but in a different order. Do you think A has to be first? If God might have convicted him of E first or whatever. But a is not a top on God's list right now. And it's not for us to condemn them because God has given us a victory of A and they aren't even thinking about A. None of our business to try and judge Lot or anyone else. Our job is to witness. Our job is to share. Our job is to live. As Yeshua told Peter, don't worry about John. It's not in your business about John. You follow me. and Don't worry about him. Stop worrying about him. Stop looking over your shoulder at everyone else. You keep your eyes on me. May God keep our eyes on him. we focused on him. And that's what matters. Yes, we can learn lessons and view the people of the Bible because they're dead and God has given us them for our example, but not to judge, but just to learn from and to grow from. So where is the gospel in this story? <laughs> Why do we need to hear this? Do we really need to know everything that went on in Lot's life, right? Do we really need to know about him living in a cave? Do we really need to know about his daughters and, and that whole illicit relationship? Why is it there? Where is the good news in that story? Well, as we review it, Lot's oldest daughter gets him drunk, rapes him, has incest with him, and out of that has a son, names him Moab. From Moab comes the nation of the Moabites, who, for the most part, were horrible to the children of Israel. But still, out of the Moabites comes Ruth. And out of Ruth, eventually becomes King David. And out of, eventually, King David comes Yeshua, the Messiah. So, in Yeshua's history, in his DNA, in his genealogy, is a... Drunken, incestuous relationship., Dunbar. he who equal with God, not robbery to be equal with God, lowered himself, took on the form of humanity, not just any humanity, not walking as a leader, king or richer. He came as the lowest of the low. It can't get much lower, if at all, lower than coming from that type of relationship, that type of a setting, born under those circumstances. So in his birth, he has the lineage of Rahab, a prostitute, former prostitute. In his lineage, he has not only a former, they never repent, no record of them repenting. In his lineage, unrepentant. Daughter, getting her father drunk, raping her, raping him, and incestuous relationship and having a child with him. He took humanity, the dregs of humanity, the lowest of humanity into himself, that he can relate to all, that he knows our innermost being, No matter what our history, no matter what our past, no matter what our DNA, no matter what our genealogy says in it, no matter what horrible experiences came into our lives, no matter what inherited tendencies to evil we have, he had them as well. And he overcame them through the power of the Holy Spirit to be our example in all ways, tempted as we are and yet without sin. So he had drunkenness, sexual perversity in his lineage, in his DNA, and yet he overcame it. So he took us, all of us, all of humanity into himself in his birth, and he took all of us, all of humanity, with all of our sinfulness, into himself in his death as well. From birth to death, he took us into himself. The great love of God, the mercy of God, reaching down to humanity in its lowest forms, in all of its forms. That is what he took on to himself. That is what he became for you and me. That is good news. That is good news. What a God who loves us not a God who just stays way up above and it's our job to pay him and worship him and give to him, a God who came to us wherever we're at, whatever we've been through, to know us and to love us where we're at and to help us and uplift us, to change us, transform us, recreate us back into God's image and give us victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the real message of this story. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and not hiding anything that we need to know. Thank you for being very real with us. Thank you for exposing and letting us know about Lot's life and every aspect that we need to know. Forgive us for areas where we've been more like Lot than like Abraham where we've been more like the devil than like you. Cleanse us through and through. Forgive us for our past mistakes and past choices and past actions. We surrender all to you. We accept our death in you. We thank you for your forgiving, forgiveness and for your cleansing and for the removal of those tendencies to evil, Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your power. Cover us with your righteousness. And fill us with your righteousness. And let your righteousness be lived out of us on a consistent basis. Let your light shine through us. Give us the ability to make right choices so that we can shine as lights for you And win people for your kingdom. In Yeshua's name. Amen.